be remembered in a while, but you are grateful for what God has done and who he is. Maybe there is, uh, I don't know, some new news in your life of something that God recently just brought some transformation about, or he's working in the midst of some suffering or some challenge, and you come with a heart of desperation in part, but you know that God's working and you're grateful. And so what I'd like to do for us this morning before we jump into our time in the God's Word and finish out this series on identity in Christ is to have you pull up a chair and just see this as your church family. And we are going to have some words of thanksgiving, some words of praise. You know, the Psalms were written um, by David and others, and the Psalms direct us to having a heart of praise. And many times when you're in the doldrums, or maybe there's a challenge, or maybe you've sort of forgotten God's goodness, it's good to just jump into the Psalms and be exhorted to give words of praise and thanksgiving. And there's a lot of Psalms, right? 150-some, there's a lot of Psalms. Well, Psalm 100's nice and short. And it exhorts us this way. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And here's this phrase, and and hopefully you're mindful of this every time you come to church on a Sunday morning. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So we come together as family on the heels of having a great Thanksgiving week. Hopefully you had with family. And we are here to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise in our hearts. So. It's not a spectator sport Sunday mornings. It's a corporate group, praise, honoring, worshiping God. You lifted your voice to him in song. I'm going to ask Pastor Zach if he grabbed that microphone. And if you've got a word of praise to God for something that he has done recently, maybe an attribute for who he is, or maybe something that comes from this series on identity in Christ and something that has been a renewing breath of fresh air for you, then stand up, give your first name, and let's fill this court with his thanksgiving and his praise. You good? Are you good? I'm not going to have to do a hallelujah shout or something, right? You're good. All right, just raise your hand and Zach will get the mic. This is something God's done. And see this as an act of worship in your life. Something God has done, something of who he is. All the way on the way back row there. That'll work. And if you're watching online, just join us and hopefully everything's mic'd and you'll just have to stare at me, I guess, sitting up here on a stool. Hi, my name's Otto. Otto, great. I got my my mom here. And uh, I just want to thank God because she survived two strokes, and she's here with us, and she's doing really well. So, <laughs> Man, around the holidays, we're so grateful for those that are part of the family. Oh, we got two mics going. Mike's working with it. All right, good. 
Hey everyone, I'm Hill. Um, uh, this year has been a huge year of discovery for me, um, especially with purpose and whatnot uh, with God. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm an actor. And um, this year I've been blessed with a new team and all kinds of stuff. But I think what's been great is that uh, God has just been speaking to me a lot. And I've been learning to journal and do all that. So if you guys aren't journaling your experiences with God, give it a shot. Um, it's, been a, it's been an eye-opening experience, but been really blessed by that. That's great, Hill. Thanks. It's a good word of encouragement, too, because a lot of times it's that journaling and writing things out that starts to let the well flow from within about what God's doing. Good. Someone else, something that God's doing. Causes us to dig deep and think, right? There we go. Good morning. Most of you here know me. My name is Mike. And I want to thank you for all the prayers you've been praying for me personally. But several of you have been praying about my son, Tim, our son, Tim. We just got to spend five days and nights with him, his wife, and our grandkids. And I want to praise God for that. It was your prayers that helped bring that about. Amen. Thanks, Mike. That's great. And we will continue to pray for Mike McDonald's medical challenge. God is at work. Oh, there we go. Mike, we're going to make you run. Come on. <laughs> Hi, my name is Crystal. I'm here with my daughter, Sophia. Um, so my husband, Randy, and I, we've been here for over three years, and our journey has changed um, from the moment we walked into these doors into now. Um, the journey has been really hard at times, but just so beautiful and embracing with everybody that is here. Always just so welcoming to our family and just helping us on our journey of discovering who we um, are leaving, which ties in with the identity in Christ. We didn't have that before. And so just the home that we have here with all of you is just so special to us and to our family. Thank you, Crystal. All right, one or two more. Something God is doing, has done, something for who he is. We're going to make you run after all. Slow down, Mike. Hi, my name is Bro, and um, in the last uh, 30 days, I've been able to restore some very challenging, hurtful relationships that have finally came to, to a head here in the last couple of weeks, and um, it was something that my family and I prayed over deeply, and uh, it finally happened. So I'm very grateful and thankful that those uh, these were lifelong relationships that uh, were strained for a period of time, and that's all gone to pass. So that's a beautiful testimony. So many times the challenges of relationships. Yes. Good morning. My name is Lana. And I just want to praise God. I, we had um, a rough year. This year, I spent the first half of my pregnancy on bed rest. And we have our beautiful little angel here with us now. And I just want to praise him. I want to thank everyone that prayed for us through that journey. And
and um, we recently did rooted, which was a little difficult for us with a newborn, <laughs> but I do feel more rooted in Christ, and I have such mm. a wonderful identity in Christ now that I love and I appreciate, and I just praise him, and I thank you, Pastor Kerry, um, a lot, and mm. thank you for for your words always, and, and we're happy to be here. We love our church family. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. And a great, great journey. All right. We'll let it keep rolling. Mike. Hi, I'm Sarah, and um, I've been widowed twice. Mm -hmm. My first husband passed away on Thanksgiving Day 27 years ago, and that's how long we were married. So Thanksgiving is always a little difficult. And my only child, my daughter, who lives down in San Diego, usually spends it with her in-laws. But the in-laws met the day before Thanksgiving this year. So I got to be in her home with my daughter and her husband and my two wonderful grandkids. So I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And God is taking such good care of me. And I so appreciate this church family. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. One last one, anyone? We good? If you can still run with it. Just family time, right? Well, thank you for uh, entering his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and his courts with praise. We, um, as human beings, is it not true that sometimes we are so short on praise and thanksgiving? And we're so long on complaints and being grumpy and cynical. And we start to slide in those directions. But if you stay consistent in praising God for what he has done, who he is, and what he is doing, you will find your spirit lifted. And uh, it's much better than a lot of medication sometimes to just spend time praising and thanking the Lord. Will you pray with me as we finish out this morning? Our Lord Jesus, we're mindful that in a morning like this, you receive our thanksgiving and our praise because we come into your presence, not because it's a building or a physical temple, but because you promise to be with us wherever two or three are gathered. And Lord, in your presence, we lift you our praise and thanksgiving, but now we open our hearts to you to challenge us from your word and to challenge us for the life that you've given us, for us to steward well the days, the years, the holidays that come and go, and that we would find ourselves enriched in our understanding of you, growing in our depth of knowing you and our intimacy with you and becoming alive to your purpose. So Lord, give us hearts that are on fire and lives that are on purpose through your word here this morning. We draw near to you through your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. So what'd you do at Thanksgiving? Like, I mean, yeah, there was the food prep and you ate and... 
you hung out together maybe and you did some online shopping because Black Friday was coming, maybe some other things. But what do you do with some of that extra time? You know, you start to maybe sit down and watch a movie together as a family. How many of you um, end up playing games for Thanksgiving? Like a little bit of family time together, games? Or is that like gone by the wayside, some game time? Well, um, that ends up being a little bit of time that my family likes to invest in. But I will have to be honest with you. I'm not a big gamer. I'm really not a big gamer. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because you have to sit down and, you know, a lot of times you pull out the board game. Remember, some of you like Monopoly or something like that, some other kinds of pretty cool games. And um, you, you have to get engaged in it. And sometimes they go on and on and on. And your mind's thinking, I could be more productive. At least that's sort of the, one of the things that I sort of think. And I have to learn to live in the present moment with my family or with friends around there and just enjoy the time together. Well, it came time for game time. It's like, Dad, you're going to come out and be a part of game time. And I'm like, okay, right, here we go. What, what are we going to do? So I didn't know what was going to happen when I came out into the living room, what the game time was going to be. But do you know, it wasn't card games. It wasn't any board games. There's some new ways of doing games. And it's with your phone. In fact, there are apps that you can go to, and you can all sit in your big, cushy chairs and play the games. I think that's one of my problems. I don't like sitting in a hard chair around a table. I want to sit relaxed, but a lot of times you have to be around it. So on your phone, and what was that? It was uh, jackboxgames.com. Any of you ever done jackbox games? Uh, a few of you see, I am not clueless here. I mean, the, the rest of you are. So it's, it's the ability like to have a television game where you're not on set, but you're actually sitting in your chair. And so there's questions, towards trivia questions, other kinds of things, and you're engaged in it. And these particular games on this particular app, they go fairly quick. So I can opt in a game or I can opt out a game, whatever it may be. Of course, other people are opting in and out, and then you sign in with your name or a fake name, and people are signing in with my name, and they shouldn't have signed in with my name, and that was throwing a lot of confusion. I felt like... so. <laughs> I want you to know, Thanksgiving this year, the game time was cool. I did not stress. And then it go on forever. And it was quite enjoyable and sort of fun and creative games. Do you like to play games? A lot of times in life, there's games that go on that we play. Um, there's other games that, you know, Games like um, Truth or Dare. You ever play Truth or Dare? That's not a game I want to play. Uh, but, you know, there's... Actually, that makes me think of Rooted. We start out Rooted in one of the name games that we do uh, through Rooted, because you sort of do some name games to get to know one another, is uh, Two Truths and a Lie. You ever played that game? Are you with me today? Two truths and a lie. That means you're going to give two truths and then one lie, three things about yourself, and then everybody has to guess which one is the, the lie, right? So I, I play that game. Are, are you going to engage with me here? Right. Two truths and a lie. I'll, I'll start, all right? I, um, 
I was, um, I started uh, three years on my high school basketball team. I have personally met Mother Teresa in India, and I uh, have driven a semi-truck or an 18-wheeler on an open road. So those are my two truths and a lie. Which ones are, which one's the lie? I, yeah, are you really going to answer that? I'll give you the shot. Go ahead, Sarah. You're good. How, how do you know that? Where, Sarah, were you here last week? Sarah, last week, my son, Levi, came up with my leather jacket. Letter jacket. Were you all here? And it had an emblem on it. And right there was basketball and some bars. I, I'm going I'm to give you grace on that one. Uh, but uh, at the moment, uh, any, other, any other suggestions? Uh, two truths and a lie kind of thing? Uh, that I wouldn't drive a semi-truck? I, that, that, I don't know how proficient I could drive a semi-truck, but I have driven a semi-truck. I come from an agricultural background, and, and they did let me try one time, and I think that was about it. No, uh, they now have automatic transit, uh, transmissions, and it would be far easier. But yes, I've driven a semi and, uh, believe it or not, I did meet Mother Teresa in India on one of my two trips to India. And it was quite a moment. And Sarah, you're right. I didn't start three years. I only started two. So there you go. A lot of times what? The best lie is 90% truth, right? Sometimes. Well, do you know that you're engaged in playing a game every day. And this game sometimes is with your own mind, but behind your mind and your personhood, there is a spiritual dimension in life. And in this spiritual dimension, there is a battle going on. And in that battle, Satan is prominent in messing and playing with your life. And he's playing games. And he is speaking to you not truths, maybe half-truths or some, but he is speaking to you lies. And when he speaks to you lies, you have to decide, is that the truth or is that a lie? Is that the truth or is that a lie? I tried to figure out where to land on this last week of spending these few weeks on identity with Christ and I couldn't get far from this battle and the game that we play with ourselves every day. The game that we play with the adversary every day. And the game God wants us to stop playing concerning his truth and who he is, concerning who you are. Identity in Christ is a battle every day to put down lies from Satan. There's a lot of lies of Satan, whispers that come into our ear from other people, from our past. And these are some of the lies. I just decided to list a few of them. The first is that your career makes you important. It's your success and your job that make you valuable. Now, 
partial truth, right? It, there's value and importance in a career and being able to use the gifts that God's given us. And it is important. You don't want to be, you know, a shoddy worker or on a career track that's not honoring to God. So there is importance in that. But you are not defined by your career. Oftentimes when you meet someone, you do. In fact, I met somebody here this morning, and, and one of the questions I just sort of throw out to get, they said, hey, well, what do you do? What are you around? And it's like, oh, but that does not define the individual, what they do. And it does not define you, what your career is. Maybe your career has been up and to the right, a great trajectory. Maybe it's floundered here or there. But your value is not based on your job. Lie number two I threw up is this. You will never get past your past mistakes. What you have done will keep you from being able to change the course of your life and move forward. Wow. Wow. Look at that mess you created during those years in your life. And because of those decisions and the people you associated with and, and the things you end up falling to, you, you will never be able to redo that. You don't get a mulligan in life. You don't get a do it over. So you're, now you're stuck. Now you're stuck. That's a lie from Satan. And we're going to be addressing some of that. Because God deals with your past. And he's able to bring healing and hope into your life based on what he is doing in your life. And you are not stuck where Satan wants you to be stuck. Your worth is not tied to your mistakes. That's why Jesus Christ went to the cross and what he did on the cross and bearing our sins and bringing forgiveness to us and for us to be able to be made whole. Here's lie number three I've thrown up. You are a good person because of what you have done and what you choose not to do. Now, a lot of religion is based upon this. You just got to do good. You got to stay away from the don'ts, right? And you work really hard at that year in and year out to do the right thing and to stay away from the bad things. And so you begin to define your personhood based upon what you do and do not do. That's bondage because you can never measure up ultimately to God's goodness, Scripture teaches, and there is value, of course, in seeking to do good, character qualities. I'm not negating that. Again, you know, a good part of Satan's lies are truth kind of aspect. But the reality is the bottom line with the do and do not do is that does not determine goodness into the human being's life. Because we're all born in sin and there is fallenness that abounds and Scripture teaches that there truly is no one righteous, not even one. What you choose and do not choose to do can reflect your character, and it can certainly honor God. But your identity and self-worth does not stem from that. Your identity is completely dependent on you if that were true. And that's a heavy load to carry. Here's just one more. I threw up one more. Your worth depends on what other people think of you and depends on whether or not they accept you. How much of your time was spent in the last month trying to earn the acceptance of somebody, whether you're trying to impress them, 
trying to please them, trying to not get on the wrong side of them. We spend a lot of time here on what other people think about us. What other people think about us. Their opinion does not determine your value. And it does not define you. So, those are some lies in Satan's game of truth and lies. He anchors the lying side. But God anchors the truth side. And the truth needs to penetrate our essence every day of our life. And it will bring freedom. It will not bring bondage. But we have to renew ourselves on that truth on a regular basis because Scripture teaches that Satan is a thief, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You got that? Steal, kill, and destroy. And what is one of the prominent things that he steals and tries to kill and destroy within your very being? Is your identity. Your identity of who you are. And a couple weeks ago, I pulled out this um, rooted um, bookmark that talks about my true identity, and it lists all kinds of things on here, and we walk through those, and we just sort of let that cascade over our life. And if you didn't get to pick up a copy of this, I don't have bookmarks left, but I do have copies of it on your way out at the welcome desk and pick it up. And I thought to myself, well, which one of these truths, we're finishing out this identity in Christ, which one of these truths, uh, or maybe a couple, three, are so critical for us that I really need to press into them and press back against Satan because the battle's real in your life and in mine. And what I've ended up doing here this morning to finish out is I want to talk to you about three simple truths and these truths are transformational to me personally. Maybe they'll be transformational to you personally as we walk through things. Because if you lose your identity in Christ, if you lose your identity in Christ, you find yourself in difficult positions that cause you acting and reacting to situations, whether in your marriage, in your family, in your work environment, around your friends, that are not healthy. And you see the wrestling and the fighting match going on. Because when you lose your identity in Christ, um, there's an emptiness that comes. And that emptiness can only be filled with the presence of God and His Spirit and his voice into your inner being. It's a mystical thing, in one sense. Spirituality is, right? But the spiritual world is as real as the tangible world of the chair that you're seated in this morning. And we have to enter that dimension to be able to renew our identity in Christ and stay clear from the loss of that, because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you ever lost your career in life? I mean, a really prominent work position? And you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Who am I now? Have you lost a loved one? Like Sarah was saying here this morning about having been widowed twice. And it, it's just different. This identity issue is sort of like that. Have you ever lost a bunch of finances and you were just sick about it? Maybe it was on the market. Maybe it was bad investment. 
and you're just sick about it? There's losses that cripple us. But this loss of identity is the most crippling thing of all, if we can see the reality of it. Those lies, and I could have listed up more and more and more lies of Satan. They're, they're all around. You grab a hold of him, he twists this and twists that. You know, here's a little bit of truth, and here's mixing up this and that. And you're, you're up against this battle with the adversary and your own fallen sinful nature. And you press back against that with truth. And so here's three truths that I cling to. And maybe you can cling to them afresh and new this morning on the heels of Thanksgiving and be grateful to God and lift up your praise to him because these are not just nice little teachings that a pastor sits in front of you on a Sunday morning and says, well, here, look at this one. No, these are eternal realities if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ, then these three truths I'm going to present to you are not applicable at the moment for you. But if you cross the line of faith, you surrender your life to him, you believe in Jesus, who he is, that he was God's son, come in the flesh, lived and died among us, and then was raised from the grave, and that he is the Lord and Savior and wants to be a part of your life, then you receive him into your life, then these truths are true for you. And so this is really, really good news today. A believer's truth, number one, is this. I am completely loved by the Heavenly Father and have become a child of God accepted by Him. Now that sounds typical, right? As far as what a pastor should say or what the scriptures would teach. I'm not asking if you know that statement to be true. I want to ask you, are you experiencing that statement in your life to be true? God the Father, the Eternal One, He personally not only has thrown all the galaxies out into the universe, but He has created you in your mother's womb, brought you into this life, and the Heavenly Father loves you. You! Not your neighbor or your friend or your spouse. He loves you. And that love is an unconditional love as a believer in Jesus Christ. You see, the love that we experience or do not experience does start to define us a lot in our life. But if you're placed in a family where there's a lot of healthy nurturing and love and encouragement. Yeah, sometimes it's tough love. There's discipline and that kind of thing. But you are in an incubator of love. Then you are being nurtured into being all that God called you to be as a human being and a follower of him. But if you are not in that kind of environment, or you feel or you fear that no one loves you, then that puts you in some other kinds of dispositions. If you took a young girl and you raised her in a palace and taught her that she was a princess and that she would be a queen and there was value in her life, then that would be extremely beneficial to her and her sense of self-worth and her self-identity. But you neglect her and place her around houses of, of um, 
prostitution or something, you, you name it, some despicable kinds of environments that she could grow up around. People that would hurt her, people that would harm her, people that would speak ill of her. If she grows up in that environment, then she's going to be far more challenged with her sense of self-worth. You good for nothing versus you're a child of God. So this love aspect sort of puts a period on a lot in life. I'm loved by the Heavenly Father. And I've become a child of God because of that. And I am accepted by Him. So all that uh, riffraff this last month of trying to please some people that are unpleasable seemingly, don't get too discouraged about it. I mean, keep giving some efforts and encourage others to think well, I guess, but don't let your identity based upon what the others are thinking, but this is what the God of the universe thinks. We're familiar with this John 3.16 passage. I was watching some great college football games yesterday, relaxed as I was in my chair because we're done playing those games, which is nice. But no, the, the idea that, uh, you know, you're there watching a game and then the placard comes up behind somebody inevitably, and I saw it again this week, John 3.16. And you're like, yeah, what does that mean again? For God so loved, you know this one, ready? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that... God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. If you've been around church a while, Christian faith, oh yeah, I got that one down. Stop, 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 stop. Let's look at it. For God so loved. It doesn't say that for God was so disgusted or God was so frustrated or God was so judgmental that he said, i got to do something about this world and i got to clean it up by sending my only son. That wasn't his attitude. It was free because he loved that he pursued you and he sent his son. We're getting ready to walk into Advent season next week. It'll be great to have the kids sort of lead us in some of the worship aspect of that. God so loved, he pursued us that whoever believes in him would not perish, have a life that's not filled with purpose and eternity that's apart from him, but that we would have an eternal life. Don't let that verse go by. Your identity, when you're pressed against it, when it's the lie of Satan, when he starts to game on you, oh, you're not worth anything, you're not accepted, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, well, it would just go right back to ground zero here. God so loved me, Carrie, that he gave. He gave out of himself so that I could benefit from his goodness and his kindness. And he has accepted me. I am a child of his. Is that your prominent identity, that you're a child of God? You know, one of the identities that uh, I carry, I'm not mentioning today, is this word disciple. And uh, I thought it was interesting. A number of years ago, I heard a pretty prominent kind of person that was a Bible teacher explain that they were in a, a circle and they were going around trying to share who they were. And one of the things came up as to what do you do, right? You're defining by what you do. And so they were going, well, I'm a, I'm a teacher. You know, I'm a, I, I'm a nurse, right? And so they're introducing themselves going around. And they come to one of the last guys. And the last guy, he leans in and he goes, 
I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, uniquely disguised as an engineer. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ was at the forefront of his mind, uniquely disguised as an engineer. Well, you are a child of God, uniquely disguised as a business entrepreneur, as a retail worker, whatever it may be, you do not have your identity based upon what you do or do not do. Your identity is based on truth, and it says that you are a loved person from God and that you are his child if you're a believer. That's why John 1.12 says this, yet to all who received him, right, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. A couple chapters later, Jesus tells Nicodemus what? That you must be born again. You're born in the water, born in the spirit. You are born a child of God when you believe in Jesus and follow him. And that's a prominent identity of yours. So, when you uh, get gamed on this week with the issue of love and acceptance and worthiness, you need to come back to this particular truth. And I want us to repeat it a couple times. Here you go. You ready? I am completely loved by the Heavenly Father and have become a child of God accepted by Him. Again, I am completely loved by the Heavenly Father and have become a child of God accepted by Him. And this isn't positive thinking here, folks. There's a lot of that going on in the world. Just just you, you say it and speak it into existence. No, this is truth based upon the eternal word of God and how God operates and acts towards you as a follower of his. I'm a child of God. Good, I got that one. Number one, that counteracts some of the lies of Satan that maybe are going on in your life. How about number two? I am fully righteous in Jesus Christ and have become an ambassador of the Savior for his reconciliation with others. You're like, whoa, where's that going, Carrie? <laughs> this is a big one for me. Maybe it's because I, I suppose I'm in vocational ministry and, and that maybe might have a more particular kind of edge for me. But this is for everybody that's a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, um, do you remember one of the verses that we've been using here in these few weeks? And it's a verse that... Uh, uh, really does define our truth, and it's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you got it there with you? It's here on the overhead, of course. And 5.17 says this. He says, therefore, and I won't go into the therefore based upon everything else that was listed there, but therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, your identity in Christ, all right, and that's for anyone, anyone in this room, anyone in your social networks, in your family, maybe those difficult people that you had to put up with during Thanksgiving this week, I don't know, anyone, anyone who is in Christ and becomes a follower of Jesus, the new creation has come, and the old has gone, the new is here. And so we've sort of been hammering on that some. But do you know what's right on the heels of that from what we've been looking at in these weeks? I want us to read this. Uh, if you look at your scriptures, because it's beautiful. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Reconciling. One of the testimonies today was there was reconciliation in a relationship that had been broken for a period of years. Well, that reconciliation is good news. Think of all the emotional thinking and uh, concern you play, and, and it's been reconciled. There's healing there. Well, if you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're not reconciled with God because of the sin factor. But God did something about it. He moved. He so loved that he gave his son. And when he gave his son, then he began to work this reconciliation process between us and him. There's not now anonymity between us and God, which is a beautiful thing. We are reconciled to him. And God's been doing this, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Because he took the, our sins on the cross and he died for our sins. And he separated the sins from our life, as far as the east is from the script, west, scripture says. But then it goes on and says this, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ, there's the word, do you identify with it? We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who represents someone else in another place. So if you were blessed to be given the ambassadorship in a foreign country on behalf of the United States, then you're the big dog there in that country as it relates to representation from the United States. You are part and parcel of that which you come from. You're an ambassador, and you are representing the goodwill and the interest of the United States. So if you're an ambassador for Christ, then you're representing the goodwill and God's favorability towards people and what he has done. You are Christ's ambassador. And then it goes on and it says this, we implore you, this is Paul, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is huge when you start to understand the reality that it is Christ in you, that is your hope of glory, and it's Christ's righteousness that's now applied to you, not because of what you've done, but because of what he did. You've received him into your life, and his righteousness is now your righteousness. So if you're defining your identity by the good you do or the, good, the bad you stay away from, that battle, it's never winnable. It's never winnable because you're never good enough. But there's only one who is good enough, one who is fully righteous, one is who is upright in all ways. That's what righteousness means. And his righteousness is now applied to your life because he lives within you. So that is good news concerning my identity. Yep. There's no one righteous, not even one. The wages of sin is death. I acknowledge that. The left unto myself as a human being, I'm a sinner. 
I'm indifferent, I'm imperfect, I'm fallen in a lot of ways. But you know what? Something happened in my life. I became a new creation. The old past and the new has come. And now I've been reconciled to God. I'm an ambassador of his reconciliation with others. And this is the ambassadorship, stewardship message is that Christ's righteousness can be your righteousness, like his righteousness is now a part of my life, and this is the ground and the faith on which I stand. Paul in Galatians 5, he gets quite upset with the Christians there, and it says, stand firm then, and do not become burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm in your faith because Satan's attacks, his antics are, pss, pss, look at you, you really fell short there. Or look where your mindset was. Look where your thought life landed, you know, last evening. Look about your lack of being able to encourage someone or do good to other people. He's trying to get your life based on works. Nope. I'm accepted as a child of God. I'm accepted as a child of God. And truth number two, say it with me. I am fully righteous in Jesus Christ and have become an ambassador of the Savior for his reconciliation with others. Say it again. I am fully righteous in Jesus Christ and have become an ambassador of the Savior for his reconciliation with others. And you're heading out into the marketplace again this week. Guess what? Your identity is not defined by your job title, whether it's a big one or a little one, whether you're a janitor or you're a CEO. You are a child of God uniquely disguised, and you are an ambassador for the Savior. And friends, in our world today, there's a lot of reconciliation that needs to be happening. And we see it going on in new circles, new cycles that are always dredging up some type of animosity, some bitterness, some brokenness, some racism, some prejudice, someone who didn't do right, maybe something from you know decades ago. And you're like, what is all this fighting? It's the games and the antics Satan's playing. He wants to marginalize people. He wants to divide people. He wants to crush people, still kill and destroy. But we get to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And reconciliation and health begins by being reconciled with God. We are ambassadors of the Savior. Don't the badge well. Not in an arrogant fashion, not in an ugly Christian kind of fashion, but someone who genuinely is calling and moving people into reconciliation with the God who loves them. One more truth. One more truth and we're done. I am divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit and have become a co-heir with Christ in God's kingdom work. This is a big one for me, this co-heir with Christ. We'll talk about it in a second, but this idea of being empowered by the Spirit, loved by the Father, fully identified with Christ's righteousness, but we are empowered by His Spirit Jesus said this in Acts 1, right? When he left, ascended to the heavens, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gave us the Holy Spirit and that is power. Can I say something to you real clear? One of the things Satan is 
adamant about attacking concerning your identity has to do with power. He does not want you to know the power you have in the Holy Spirit to see change come about in your world and lives with others and in your own life. He wants to neutralize you from that power. And he wants to get you consumed with your weakness. Oh, look, you've been praying forever on that. Nothing's ever changing. Yeah, but your prayers are being heard and God is powerful and effective to work in them. You continue to pray. And your prayer and your power in your prayer is something Satan is fearful of the most. It was great to circle up here for our pre-service prayer. Everybody's invited, 9.30 to 9.50. We circle up right here at the front and we pray. Simple prayers, nothing grandiose, but we are praying in the power of the Holy Spirit for God to work. We prayed for some of you here this morning that God would speak conviction in your life and bring hope and healing and power for you. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in a setting such as this. Not because of us, but because of him. And Satan doesn't want us praying together as a body of people. And he doesn't want you praying, and he doesn't want you to know the power that you've been given from on high through Jesus. It says this in Romans 8, 16, Paul says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, because we got the spirit, the spirit of power that's come upon us. It's the spirit of Jesus himself and all the power he had. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we, there we are again, are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are, oh, there's the word, heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, so that we may also share in his glory. Co-heirs. What does an heir mean? Well, here's what the dictionary says. It's a person who shares with another or others the right to inherit a person's money, property, or title when that person dies. Well, Jesus died. He rose from the grave. We've become heirs with him. He has imparted to us not only his righteousness, but he's imparted to us his power through the Holy Spirit. And we are co-heirs with him, both in this life and the life to come. That blows Carrie's brain away. How about you? When you think about inheritance, all that Christ has is now yours because you're a part of his family. Co-heirs with Christ. Luke 10, the disciples went out. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. They proclaimed the kingdom of God and they came back and they said, this is what's happened, Jesus. How incredible. It wasn't you that was in the villages doing it. It was us. And he just sort of smiled at him. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which means the antics of the enemy, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And he said, just be glad your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. So don't get too cocky. <laughs> Steward well your inheritance. But I'm an heir. I am a co-heir with Christ. 
I want to make mention on this because we're here talking about this whole thing of uh, Satan's strategies, his lies, and antics. We went through a series earlier this year on the authority of the believer, which was huge, and you guys were very receptive to that. Some of you asked us to let you know when this came out, so I'm now letting you know. But uh, this week, they posted uh, on the South Pacific Alliance, which is the network of churches in Southern California that we're part of with the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination, they have a podcast. And the podcast was posted this last week, and uh, Pastor Trey and I were blessed to be able to share on this podcast concerning spiritual warfare. And that's the address you can go to, cmaspa.org. Um, I think it's underneath one of the menus there, the podcast is, if you can find it, or it's the spa-podcast. And um, it was interesting because I have different people saying, well, hey, listen to it. I've even had phone calls this week say, hey, we listened to your podcast. And we got some thoughts and questions. Well, in that podcast, Trey and I, we try to just unpack the reality that we are co-heirs with Christ. And when we operate in the spiritual realm, we operate not with our power, but with the power of Jesus. Is that part of your identity? Or do you feel weak and immobile? The Lord Jesus Christ has gifted you not only salvation and righteousness, he's gifted you power. And I believe it's one of the things the enemy fights against the most and one of the reasons why the church is so anemic today. Because we've listened to the lies and we don't operate in the spiritual realm. What happened with the disciples when they went out into the highways and the byways of life and proclaimed the kingdom of God? There's nothing different from the first century than this century in the spiritual realm related to your identity in Christ. So repeat this one with me. You ready? I am divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit and have become a co-heir with Christ in God's kingdom work. Again, I am divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit and have become a co-heir with Christ in God's kingdom work. So those are the three. I'm going to ask the ushers to take their places. We're going to close out. There's a lot that I feel I've fallen short of in being able to talk about our true identity. Grab the list and meditate on the scriptures. Work in it in your own life. But I want you to um, remember these three as you leave here today, that I am a child of God. I'm an ambassador of the Savior. And I am a co-heir with Christ in God's kingdom work. And as the ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, your connect cards, maybe your responses to today, I want us to just close. Worship team's not going to come back. We're just going to close with a word of prayer. Because I want to close with a prayer of blessing over your life. Because this battle and the gaming that's going on, it's pretty serious for some of you. If you've ever worked with people who have contemplated or even tried to commit suicide, you know how serious it is. There's a bit of a discussion that started to be led into by 
our family around the meal table this week. Concerning a family member of our own extended family that had taken their life a number of years ago. And I didn't want to hear the details of it. I slipped away like, hey, I got to go to the restroom. And I started to become broken because the enemy won in that situation. okay it was my wife Melissa's brother a number of years ago took his own life with a shotgun he had stayed in one of our rental places and we tried to encourage him and we knew he had some challenges and he wasn't able to process some information and he thought that was the best way out of it in his life. He'd had a relationship with Jesus. and So you don't question those things in moments like that. But even as someone who believed in Jesus, he battled this identity stuff. And it may not be suicidal thoughts. It may be thoughts the adversary's gaming on you to still kill and destroy something from your life. The vision God's given you, a relationship he's set before you. I want to pray a blessing over us as we finish out this identity in Christ because it's serious stuff. Take truths like I'm a child of God, I'm an ambassador of the Savior, I'm a co-heir with Christ and his kingdom and and drill down into it. Let it grip your life and live from that source, not from all the sayings of others or the failed experiences or your own brokenness. Live from your identity in Christ. He wants you to be strong and victorious. It may be hard and there's challenges. Paul said, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And that many times we're broken and pressed down and persecuted. He lists those in scripture. But his identity was that what I have is Christ in me. Will you stand with me? Raise up your palms just to receive, not from me, but from the Holy Spirit's who here. And now may the God who is on high that created us and loved us from the beginning of time. Heavenly Father, may you bestow afresh and anew upon your followers here this morning your love and a fresh identity of being a child of God. And we ask that through the Holy Spirit, that there is a fresh receiving and acknowledgement of the righteousness 
the full righteousness that comes from Christ and is imputed to us and that we now have become ambassadors of the Savior and His reconciliation for others because we have been reconciled and we stand in His righteousness. And Holy Spirit, may you strengthen the minds and the hearts of people here to understand the power by which they have been invested through you, Holy Spirit. And that we are co-heirs with Christ in God's kingdom work. And may we not deter to the left or to the right or lag behind or run too far ahead, I guess, but may we stay right centered in your will and your gift to us of a new identity, of a new creation, that we are a child of God, an ambassador of the Savior, and a co-heir with Christ. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's not crossed that line of faith, may they in these moments, with their palms up, receive you as their Lord and their Savior, or anyone that's watching online that has never crossed that line of faith, and may they receive you by turning from their sin and indifference and receiving you into their life and moving forward in an innocent and childlike manner with you as their Savior. So Lord, we ask this, and I pray over this body of people called the Awakening Church that we may be fully alive in Christ and to your mission. And that at the center of it is our identity in you, Jesus. Amen? Go in peace. Have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday.